Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Mikoroi Hawkins. Coming up first... It's been over a year, it's almost two years. There's been scarcely any rain. Severe drought conditions continue to impact Kiribati communities. We speak with the MP for Arorai Island. Also... We have a duty, a specific family, to keep us together, to meet the challenges together. Pacific leaders reconcile and restore regional unity and... The government will be using this policy to add another layer of control. There are concerns in Papua New Guinea about the government's plan to introduce strict new laws to regulate media. But before we get into all that, an important Pacific weather update. Cyclone Judy was named at midday today over the island of Tikopia in the Solomon Islands and is heading towards Vanualava in northern Vanuatu. Fiji Met Service says the Category 1 system is expected to intensify to a Category 2 with winds reaching more than 90 kilometres per hour by tomorrow. A forecaster from the service told RNZ Pacific on Monday afternoon that the system is expected to strengthen even more later in the week. By tomorrow midday, Judith is expected to strengthen uh, into a Category 2 system. So we're looking at, at winds around the center to reach up to 15 or 24 hours from tomorrow. Uh, it's expected to be uh, over Villa and uh, strengthen into a category, severe tropical cyclone status, category 3. Uh, so by then expect winds to reach up to 65 knots. 65 knots per hour is about 120 kilometers per hour. The category 1's current speed is about 83 kilometers per hour. Please check your local broadcast and online media for the latest on Cyclone Judy. For our coverage, you can go to RNZ Pacific's website, rnzi.com. A Kiribati member of parliament says it's been nearly two years since the island Arorai last had rain. The Kiribati government in June last year declared a state of disaster after the discovery of high salinity levels in monitoring wells and very low rainfall. Tema Onorio, the Member of Parliament for Ararai, says the situation has been harsh for the 1,000 people who live on the island. She speaks to Caleb Fotheringham about the situation. My island, Ararai, is the last one in the south of the Gilbert Islands group in Kiribati. And the situation there is that it's been over a year, it's almost two years, there's been scarcely any rain. The situation is quite harsh for the people. The well water which people drink is becoming brackish, rather harsh, and they, they have to pour their water, of course. They need uh, a lot of help with that. In terms of the vegetation, because of the, the drought situation, many of our coconut trees, the tops have fallen off. That is the most serious case. I, I've ever seen in, in the history of Ararai. I don't know whether any drought has occurred before, but this one has gone on for about two years. Towards both ends of the island, especially the southern end of the island, the vegetation is rather yellow, not green at all. The coconuts are getting less for people to collect and get copper for their money, for their living. The other vegetation, the fruit trees as well. There's a, a fig tree, the breadfruit tree. Those are the main staple diet. Those are also heavily affected. Now people are 
dependent on the grains that are ordered from overseas. You said that there has been a very scarce amount of rain in the last two years. How much rain are we talking? Almost no rain or just a little bit? Almost, yeah, almost no rain. I was not able to get the net figures for the rainfall. But I think I'm safe in saying that almost two years now, there's been hardly any rain. If it rains, just drizzle. And other other people from from the island have also raised the issue on Facebook. A droughts common in Kiribati and common on the island. For us on Narae, I don't believe so. I don't think that drought is common. For me, this is the first time that I know that it hasn't been raining for a long time. How are people surviving? Well, the people depend on the well water which they can easily access, of course. Most of the people on the island have devised a, a water pump system, which they can manually fetch water from. So that's the only source of water that they can get because of their lack of rainwater. So they drink that and they're often reminded to boil their water so that they don't get ill. Do you think people will have to move if there isn't rain soon? I think the people are quite strong-minded to stay on the island and enjoy the life there, despite the the challenges with the impact of the, the drought there. I'm hoping that government will soon do something about it, perhaps firstly visit the island to actually assess the situation. What do you hope will happen from here on? Obviously rain, but if you don't get rain, what do you hope happens? I would very much like to see government assistance or some assistance for the repair, the maintenance of the desalination plant in Tamaro, because I know that water from the desalination plant has been good and has, has been serving the people well. I do hope that the Ministry of Internal Affairs, the Ministry of uh, Infrastructure, will be able to sort this out very soon. We have a request. I'd like to pursue the need for another desalination plant for the other village. I do hope that the government will take this seriously. I'll find a way to to raise the question again, if not in Parliament, but actually the Minister's concern, so that some action is taken to assess the situation so that they know what it is like on the island. At what was called the most significant meeting for Pacific regionalism in recent history, Pacific Islands Forum leaders on Friday in Fiji reaffirmed their commitment to uphold and implement the Suva Agreement. Fourteen heads of state were there in person, while four of the countries were represented by either their deputy heads or ministers. RNZ Pacific reporter Lydia Lewis was in Nandi for the special leaders' retreat and filed this report. Within the precincts of a luxury resort on Denarau Island in Fiji, leaders welcomed Kiribati back into the Forum family. The traditional Matangingasau ceremony, a symbolic apology was performed asking for forgiveness for all the past rifts within the forum. It was put forward by the meeting's host, Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka. 
they're not really problems that, uh, but things we should be aware of. We call them uatale-tale uh, or submerged reefs because they are there. We just need to know that they are there and navigate widely in our Pacific waka or wanga or canoe. Kiribati's withdrawal from the forum last year shook regional unity. Now Kiribati is back in the fold. President Tanes Mamao says he is looking towards the future. We have a duty as Pacific family to keep us together, to meet the challenges together. Because in unity, we surely will succeed. Leaders appointed former president of Nauru, Baron Wanga, as the next secretary general of the Pacific Islands Forum to take over from Henry Puna in 2024. Nauru was yet to respond to my interview request. Henry Puna had this to say, though, when asked about the full forum membership being back in the fold. Absolutely happy, yeah. We're now complete as a family. Cook Island's Prime Minister Mark Brown promised to keep the region's unity intact. Mr Brown officially assumed the role of chair from Fiji at the retreat. And also the second part of that particular ceremony was his handing off to me the tambour and reminding me that now we have unity and we have restored that unity in the Pacific. It is a duty and obligation of future members and leaders of the forum to ensure that unity remains and our family remains intact. They approved the establishment of a new sub-regional office for the Pacific Islands Forum in the Republic of Kiribati. And they appointed Philemon Manoni of the Republic of the Marshall Islands to the position of the Pacific Ocean Commissioner. Leaders also approved the establishment of the Office of the Pacific Ocean Commissioner in the Republic of Palau. All steps taken in an effort to operationalise the Silver Agreement, the forum's solution to a rift among members over the selection of the General Secretary. Palau's President Sarangal Whips Jr. is confident the forum will never be fractured again, a sentiment echoed amongst Micronesian leaders. It's about moving forward. Our goal was to bring Kiribati back in so that we're all together. That has been accomplished, so now let's just move forward. Moving forward, leaders raised issues impacting their nations. Tuvalu's Prime Minister Kausea Natano says just like Aotearoa, inflation is a big problem. The impact of the rising prices of uh, things in the shops and also the increase of prices of fuel, which affect all the, the prices of things in the shops and also the electricity that we are using in Tuvalu. For Samoa, the seasonal worker schemes in both Australia and Aotearoa were top of mind, Fiamme Naomi Mata'afa says. It's become very apparent, not just for Samoa, but other countries, that there's a real brain drain because the original agreements were for unemployed going to the agricultural sector only for a specific period, but it seems to have grown. With policemen even going. Yeah, and so forth. So, you know, I think it's uh, worth the... All of us sitting down again and talking through it. And for Aotearoa, it was the flooding back home that was front of mind. Deputy Prime Minister Carmel Sepuloni attended the meeting in place of Prime Minister Chris Hipkins, a last-minute change that was met with understanding by Pacific leaders. The leaders expressed their support and condolences to the government and people of New Zealand for the disastrous impacts of Cyclone Gabriel. 
In their official communique, they said it is a stark reminder of the real impacts of climate change and the growing frequency of natural disasters. Fiji turned Talanoa into action the Pacific way, sending 34 military personnel on the flight home with Deputy Prime Minister Kamel Sipuloni. A number of other Pacific countries have also made formal offers of help. So far, Fiji is the only one to have been accepted. The Media Council in Papua New Guinea fears changes proposed by the government will lead to state control of the media. The new policy is being promoted by former journalist and now the communications minister, Tim Marciu, as a vehicle to rein in renegade operators. But journalists fear it will lead to government control. Our correspondent, Scott Wyde, has worked as a journalist there for 24 years and he told Don Wiseman why journalists are riled up by this policy. Okay, so our main concern is that the government will be using this policy, or at least we perceive it that way, the government will be using this policy to add another layer of control uh, on already existing laws and guidelines in the constitution. So that's that's the main concern. Now, one of the key areas of this policy is uh, legislative amendments that will make the media council a body, a government body, uh, a government regulating body, uh, and that government regulating body will have licensing powers, among other things, uh, licensing powers over journalists. That is one of our biggest concerns. Now, given past experiences from you know previous previous governments, the main concern is if a journalist writes a narrative that is uh, not palatable for the the government of the day, there's a huge risk that uh, the government will penalize them by removing the license. The secretary and the department think otherwise, and they feel that this policy is uh, suited for the media at this time. The the minister is someone who comes from a, a journalist's background. That's fascinating. Yeah, the minister's a former broadcast journalist, NBC journalist, so and who reported on Bougainville. Uh, so he's he's like uh, uh, well versed in this area, or at least somebody who's who should be someone that we confide in and try to uh, map out a way forward for the for the industry and you know for the protection of journalists. The media council has put forward uh, or is meeting at this time uh, and bringing together. All, all the feedback from various stakeholders, including regional partners, uh, so that we can put together a a response to the to the minister and the secretary. So, I, I understand there's another draft of that policy after the debate that happened over the last two weeks. There's another version of the policy that's been put out, uh, or will be put out, uh, and, and that's also. Are going to come under the microscope. It's it's a tough world, isn't it? Being a journalist in PNG, you've been one for a long, long time, and something like this is about the last thing you want. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you you look at uh, the last ten years. The last ten years has been very dramatic for all of us. I mean, the 
24 that were sacked uh, from MTV, um, Neville Choi, who's the media council president, and he's very concerned about it. Uh, Neville was sacked and then reinstated based on public pressure. Uh, so a whole heap of things. Um, the Previously, you had people like uh, Alexander Rini, who's now in Samoa, and uh, Joseph Yaladona, who was uh, suspended for a series of stories. So all, all that put together, those experiences put together, uh, give the PNG media a very valid case to put forth towards uh, to government, saying, you know, this is an added layer of control. We don't need it. Um, and there should be investment going into the places that really need it. And that's journalists training, um, investment into universities, and a clear pathway to develop, uh, you know, middle and top level management uh, candidates in, in the PNG media industry. And that's lacking at the moment. The Pacifica matchup in round one of Super Rugby turned into an 11 try showcase at Auckland's Mount Smart Stadium. Moana Pacifica took a 12 0 early lead, but the Indroa were far from done, and a try from Yosefo Masi tied the score 31 all with around 20 minutes on the clock. Pacifica skipper Christian Lealifano put his team back in front with a penalty, but the Indroa's sixth try in the 77th minute saw them snatch victory 36 34. Captains Tevita Ikanivere and Christian Lealifano spoke to Sky Sport after the match. First of all, uh, thanks to the Lord Almighty for the strength to hold on till the end. Uh, that was a tough match. Moana was at the home field and uh, we did 17 weeks of preseason and uh, to turn out like this and to finish at the dying minute to win the game, it's something special. I think uh, it was, uh, we took it uh, Personally, in the first half of starting the game, uh, Moana was running through us. And uh, we talked about in the pre- preview leading to the game that they were just coming through the front door. And I think we weren't there physically in the first 15 minutes. But uh, then when we turned the pace up, I think uh, we got the better of them. Christian Talofa. Really physical game. Um, yeah, I thought our boys fronted up really well. We started well, um, and the draw just got back into that. And uh, we'll take plenty of lessons from that, and we'll go away and get better for next week. Other round one winners were the Chiefs, Brumbies, Blues, Hurricanes, and Western Force. Next weekend is the Super Round, where all teams will play at Amy Park in Melbourne. Moana Pacifica will play the Chiefs and Ndroa up against the Waratahs. Minogwakalewu Christina Persiker for this report on the opening weekend of Super Rugby Pacific. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Look at me for that next time. More.